Everyday consumers are being bombarded with the next big thing in health, wellness, and fitness. What's the future of keeping ourselves healthy and what's just a passing fad? Hi, I'm Joey Thurman, and if you don't know me, I'm a health and fitness expert and author. I've been fortunate enough to work with celebrities, athletes, C-suite executives, and everyone in between. I've been featured on the Today Show, Live with Kelly and Ryan, Good Morning America, TEDx, and lots of other publications. As part of my ever-increasing thirst for knowledge, which ironically happened after college, I decided to create the Fatter Future podcast. What sets this podcast apart is that I am the guinea pig for these episodes. I don't only want to bring in world-class experts on the show, I want to truly get a first hand experience what it's like to say go on ketamine and trip for my depression go on a three-day fast drinking nothing but coffee and water for age reversal eat nothing but plants and get the blood work done to back it up or even get my brain mapped to see how messed up my head is from getting knocked around playing hockey once i try these things i bring on the experts to talk about my experience and explain it to the audience in a digestible manner and ask the true question is it a fad or is it the future? Because after all, we don't want to be fatties. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's another episode of the Fatter Future Podcast. I'm Joey Thurman. I hope you know that. Otherwise, I don't know where the hell you're supposed to be, but it's probably not right here. Today, I've got Dr. Brent Brookbush. Uh, I've known of Dr. Brent for quite some time. Dr. Brent Brookbush has been an impassioned human movement professional since 1998. Yeah, he's old. And an impassioned educator since 2004. Developing a clear and engaging presentation style, he has been a resource for industry giants like New York Sports Clubs, Equinox, the National Academy of Sports Medicine, NASM, if you're in the industry, Shape Magazine, Powerplate, Beachbody, Concordia University in Chicago, and many more. As the founder and CEO of Brookbush Institute, he continues to optimize the delivery of human movement science education by integrating technology, student-centered learning, and evidence-based practical education. Outside of his duties as CEO, Dr. Brookbush continues to consult and practice as a physical therapist and trainer in New York City. Man, you've got some education. I do have a little bit of education. Yes. A little bit. You know, the first thing that, well, not the first thing you said, because you had like an hour and a half seminar when I saw you years ago in Arizona, said, if it doesn't have a bibliography, don't listen to it. And that has stuck stuck with me for years, because that was kind of when Instagram and stuff was in its infancy. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I think, I think I've refined that a little bit and said, if like, it doesn't have a bibliography, don't study it. Okay. Right? right. Like, if you want to do some... Uh, reading for fun. Yeah. Okay. I get it. But if like you're studying this, this is part of your profession. You're trying to make yourself better. Like you should be looking towards sources that are evidence-based and scientific and like written by credentialed professionals who understand the complexities. So you're not just getting that confirmation bias and that bro science when you're finding out that this whatever the hell diet that you're on is better than somebody else's because you saw it on some sort of Instagram post. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Instagram has definitely made everybody an expert, right? That's, everybody an expert it's, and it's rough. everybody dumber. On that note, follow me at Joey Thurman Fed. <laughs> <laughs> right. I had to get that plug in there. All right. So human movement specialist, how would you define that? So human movement specialist was really just kind of a title. We, we slapped on a new approach to certification. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think what we teach is human movement science. We wanted to see if we could create a certification that positively disrupts the way certifications are taught, which is kind of this 
like you pay a bunch of money up front, you study this one thing, you're kind of locked in. And then like you have this big test at the end that kind of like forced you to cram for it that you're probably going to forget half of it anyway. What we decided to do is, okay, we're going to offer certification as part of our online platform. It's going to be included in the membership. We're going to give you the choice to pick whatever courses you want. Right. And once you hit 80 hours, we're basically going to give you a stamp that says you've done 80 hours of continuing education in your profession of human movement science, which could be personal training, physical therapy, chiropractic, whatever. Okay. Right. And we're going to give you that human movement specialist designation for that 80 hours of Con Ed. Okay. Right. So we weren't really trying to like create something new and like human movement specialist. So it's a fancy certification <laughs> yeah. and you're, you're so special. Right. It right. was more just like we needed, we wanted to give back to the people who were working hard, mm-hmm. some way to signify to other people, whether it's their clients or their employers that they have put in this work. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. I, I think that, uh, as a, you know, self-proclaimed fitness professional myself, uh, we really need to be able to move better, move freely and whatever the hell that means to you. It, it's nice that you have a platform that people can kind of pick and choose and, and come up with their own you know, little certification, um, with the 80 hours of credentials. I know that I, I've gone through it, um, working on it now and actually the, the questions that you write, not easy. Um, it's not the easiest certification out there. Man, I, I couldn't sit there and, and watch, uh, what the hell movie was watching Electro and try try to yeah I, I mentioned it I was watching Electro <laughs> and Jennifer, Jennifer Gardner hey I'm, I'm in New York City right now so uh, I'm not with my wife and kids so yes I don't go out and party I watch Electra and I study human movement so you uh, sound like a very exciting guy I'm I'm super exciting guy <laughs> I should have had some shots before this one maybe this, you yeah, know, you people just people, thousands of people just tuned out they're like dudes watching Electra yeah seriously <laughs> all right so you're you're Day job for quite some time was more of a physical therapist, right? Well, I was personal trainer first, okay. and then I was personal trainer and educator, and then I was physical therapist and educator. Um, and now, of course, you know the the Brookbush Institute has grown to a, a point where a CEO is is more my my full time role, okay, right? And then after CEO, would say content development is like my second full time role, and then I still see a few patients. But this year was actually the first year where I kind of had to go. Okay, I need to kind of put seeing patients on a little bit of a back burner because I was trying to do it all and it was just tough. Yeah, you know, there's only so many hours in a day. Yeah. And and you got a dog to get home to. I do have a 20-pound chihuahua who loves me to death you to see, get I, home to. I, I just slipped that in there that he's, yeah, got, yeah, a, yeah. he's got a chihuahua it's almost home. as good as your Electra plug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever, dude. <laughs> all right, so I actually right before this, I, I went in and I saw you because uh, former college hockey player – I've been all banged up and you had me do an overhead squat assessment with for anyone listening. Put your arms above your head and try to sit down without really thinking about it and don't fall on your ass. Uh, now, what were you looking for specifically when someone is going about that? I mean, you're looking for dysfunctions. You're looking for pain. Uh, a lot of people have, you know, shoulder, hip, knee, ankle problem. You know, what are the common things that you see uh, when somebody's coming in? Okay, so the this is that's a, it's a good question because I think a lot of people misunderstand what the overhead squat assessment is. Mm-hmm. I'm not just looking at your squat and going, "Oh, that looks good." Right. It's not a, it's not a quality thing. Right. There's actually specific signs that are reliable or can be reliably uh, seen in an overhead squat assessment. So we have feet flat, feet turn out, knees bow in, knees bow out, uh, excessive forward lean, anterior pelvic tilt, arms fall forward. Okay, right. That's it. Right, so I'm looking for those signs. Oh, asymmetrical weight shift. Sure. 
I'm looking for those signs. If I see one of those signs, I know I have a reliable program to treat that sign, right? So that I can have dependable outcomes, right? It's all about trying to systemize the way you go about treating or, or training or whatever it is that you're doing, right? right? You want to have a very strategic system that you can go back and edit as you go. Okay. So you've developed a system throughout years and years of uh, practice. added to the system. You've added to the system. There's no, there's no, you know, I think that's one of the big misconceptions that obviously Instagram <laughs> is, is not helping is like when I hear people go, it's the so-and-so method. And yeah. I'm like, you don't have a method, bro. <laughs> right? Like, um, there's a hundred years of history here, right. right? Physical therapy is much older than fitness. Although physical therapy is fairly new when we compare it to like medicine, right? right. Like physicians. Right. So you look at what I'm doing and like I'm I'm coming from a group of people who, you know, if you look at posture, posture first started posture and pain first started got it getting talked about in like the nineteen twenties. Okay. And then physical therapists started talking about it in the nineteen fifties, and then we started having predictive models in like the seventies and eighties. And then you have like NASM and Mike Clark who kind of made it like this integrated systematic thing. Yeah. Right. And that comes around in 2000, I think 2000. Right. So all I'm doing is going, okay, let me, let me try to carry the torch a little further. I'm going to try to refine this. I'm going to try to add to this. I'm going to try to bring the evidence-based approach, which, you know, the evidence-based approach is much easier now because Mm -hmm. of computers and search engines. You know, like I, can't deny the fact that one of the reasons why I can put more citations on everything I do than anybody who came before me is because I can literally add 10, 20, 30 citations a day to my work. Whereas it wasn't 10, 15 years ago that that would take a week of like, well, maybe not a week, but it would take a good day, two days in the library, like hunting down journals and trying to make copies on copiers and you All didn't see me stuff. in high school. It would have taken me at least a week. Yeah. Because I, I, first I had to find the library. <laughs> right. Where, where are the cheerleaders at? Uh, I could find them. <laughs> That's for sure. All right. So uh, a lot of people, they're, they're coming in and like I, I said, uh, as far as what I notice, uh, like knee, ankle, hip, lower back. Now for years, people are saying like they need to jump on a foam roller, grab a racquetball or some sort of kettlebell or some sort of what did you say? A doctor of pain? What'd you say? Oh, doctor of pain and torture. Doctor yes, of DPT. Pa- doctor yeah. of pain and torture. Uh, so what you're doing, uh, how would you say this is, you know, more of the future on, on how you should address pain and dysfunction as opposed to just kind of sticking a racquetball or something or laying on a foam roller on your lower back? I, I think it's very important to remember that no one modality is the right answer, right? Not everybody has, you know, problems that can be fixed with a foam roll right now foam roll is probably part of every integrated solution Mm -hmm. you know the the development of trigger points and muscle fiber dysfunction is is pretty ubiquitous when you look at the research like it seems just kind of the way the body adapts to dysfunction develops some of these things yeah but like with your program we saw like you needed some foam rolling but you you kind of have some hypermobility too Mm -hmm. so we didn't do a lot of stretching and and more importantly we also had like some strengthening work or some activation work some right. very specific strengthening work yeah i mean and for you 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 were uh, described as people so i did overhead squat assessment i put my hands up and 
uh, as a trainer, I, I already tried to go into what is supposed to look like a squat. And then from there, he had me close my eyes, so I'm, I'm limiting my senses there. And then as I'm squatting down, I'm, I'm trying not to compensate. I'm sure I had some sort of asymmetrical weight shift. So just people listening, that could be I'm going to the right, going to the left, a uh, different direction. Uh, and then he's looking for certain things. And then I'm like, well, I've got this big hockey ass. I must be strong, right? My, my, my glutes are great. And you're like, nah, man, you're right. Glutes sucks. Yeah, I mean, you didn't say suck, but basically that's what it I got. It wouldn't be the first time I told somebody the right glute sucked, yeah. though. Um, I have said that. That has come out of my mouth. Okay. Um, you have to, like, with, with compensation patterns, like something like an asymmetrical weight shift mm-hmm. where you're shifting off to one side, and we know that, you know, those right-to-left asymmetries do predispose somebody to pain or predispose somebody to an increased risk of injury. Right. Like, you're not just weak. Like, that. It's it doesn't quite work that way. It's yeah. more nuance than that your body is inhibiting right your your right glute to a certain degree mm-hmm. it's actually much more like a dimmer switch than an on off switch okay right so obviously your glute works otherwise you'd have a hard time getting out of a chair right but you know when you have an asymmetrical weight shift to the right right which you did we know that your right glute probably isn't firing as hard as your left so we need to correct the asymmetry so since I was going to the right, my right glute wasn't firing enough, and I was probably having some overcompensation pattern on the left side. Yeah. In your case, it was more like you're hypermobile and kind of weak in your right hip, and yeah. your right ankle was like had less mobility than your left. Okay. Some kind of weird. You, you are a little weird. Okay. All a little right. weird, but okay. not totally abnormal. This okay. stuff is normal. Okay. So just because I, I you know, felt pain in my QL for anybody listening, it's kind of you know lower back area. You said right there, that doesn't necessarily mean that's where the pain is coming from. Right. So pain, and this is where people get really messed up. And and this new pain science is kind of coming on board. And it, it, it has the physical therapy world kind of strangely confused about what they should do in practice. But I think what it really tells us more than anything else is that pain is just another clue. It doesn't necessarily mean anything more than the overhead squat assessment. Okay. So just because you have QL pain, I'm not going to start poking at your ql right it's much more important that i find the compensation pattern that's resulting in your pain and then address objective reliable signs which we were talking about those signs that i can go back to and reliably address right right so that i can start moving forward if i just chase your pain man pain isn't is not a reliable thing it's Mm -hmm. so easy to change pain i could rub your back like yeah, wax yeah, yeah. on, rub, wax off. Rub it right now. I, yeah, yeah. I, I really wish you could rub yeah. my back right now. Yeah. That, that'd be nice. Yeah. So like you could just rub somebody's back and tell them it's going to be okay, and you will modify pain on the short term. Yeah. It, but is that going to help anything in the long term? That's right. that's the thing. But so short term fix for long term problem. Yeah. The the point being there, of course, is that pain itself is not a perfectly reliable sign. Okay. That that makes a ton of sense because you know, I've got a lower back problems, so I thought maybe it was my shoulder or maybe it was my glutes or well, it turns out it could be coming from my ankles or you know yeah. weak anterior tibialis, uh, which we strengthened, which was and quite, it could be coming strange. from multiple factors, right? So you know you are seeing me for one session coming from out of town and I'm getting one hour with you, right? So I kind of have to be like I got to hit this thing on the bullseye, which is not not the easiest thing to do, right? Right. So I give you this program and I wouldn't be totally surprised if you're like, you know, I'm like 80% better, Mm -hmm. but there's just a little bit left. Yeah. In which case, what would I do? I would start all over again, reassess, and then go after the next biggest problem that I assess. Okay. I'll take 80%. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's not bad. All right. What's one thing that you wish people would stop doing? 
listening to Instagram models. Listening to Instagram models. <laughs> currently, currently, that's my biggest pet peeve. I wish people would stop trolling other people too. Um, I think that's a huge problem right now. Um, are we talking in rehab in general? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like where you're going there, but I, I, I guess we can bring it back to the topic of, yes. Can people uh, just be nicer to people? people yeah, like, don't be a dick. Yeah. Um, Thank yeah, you. Yeah. If, if people can, this is a great thing about podcasts, we can cuss. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is the Don't Be a Dick podcast with Joey Thurman. Um, yeah. As far as rehab, I mean, you see people doing weird things or going and cracking their backs or going to a, you know, a chiropractor clinic where they're seeing people go in and out of the door and they're, they're adjusting them the same way. Is there anything you're like, you need to stop doing this right now? Um, you know, I would take a more systematic approach to what you're, you're doing. I mm -hmm. think everybody deserves the right to try to address their own issues. You know, part of my – so one of my more academic, nerdy pursuits is these predictive models of postural dysfunction, which I've been working on, right? Which okay. is synthesizing all of this research to see if I can find the signs most likely to lead to pain, which would then give me kind of a general program that would help a lot of people, okay. right? I think everybody deserves that. A lot of pain that I see walk in the door – well, maybe not me now in my career, right. but like before – like could have been fixed with a couple easy exercises. Okay. I think where people get messed up though is they get tied to something. They they get an emotional attachment to something. They go do it. It doesn't work. But because now they're emotionally attached, they have to keep doing it. Okay. And you're like, dude, it didn't work. You need to try something else. Even if you just created a list of all of the possible solutions that you found on Instagram – and started checking off the ones that didn't work, that would still be a huge leap forward from right. what I currently see. All right. So taking a systematic approach, even if it's looking at Instagram. Yes. Although. I was using Instagram as an example. In, in, unless you're going to the Brooke Bush Institute. Right. That's, well, that's different. Which is on Instagram. You like which that? Is, yeah. <laughs> nice plug. You like nice that? Yeah. Although we are, an, we are an education platform. Yeah. Right? We're not totally. even really a do-it-yourself platform. Right. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean – while I touched on that, actually, they, uh, he does have some great stuff um, on there if there is a resource that you want to go to. And we'll plug that again later on uh, in the end of the show. All right. So, you know, it's kind of like those products that are in the 80s where they're laying on their back and they're kind of rolling around and yeah. and, and mas massaging themselves out. So um, what products do you think uh, – and we touched on foam rolling a little bit. But what are the go-to things that somebody – if, if somebody can't afford to go see you – or uh, a physical therapist that's you know, reputable. What's what are things that people could do that could maybe alleviate pain, or maybe strengthen you know some sort of lower back issues? Uh, something that you would tell people to go to and do right away. Yeah, I mean, so it's a little tough talking about like products because it's more about like interventions. Okay. So obviously, like foam rolling is great, but like you you could use a foam roll. Like I use uh, training softballs a lot, which are like. Uh, softballs, but they're softer. Yeah, because right? those actual softballs are really hard. Yeah, really hard. Yeah. Why they're called softballs, yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> those should be hard balls. Yeah. <laughs> Bigger hard balls <laughs> than the, you know. Anyway, um, you know, but if uh, a foam roll is pretty cheap now, mm -hmm. softballs are pretty cheap, resistive bands are great. Like, yeah. I think strengthening and activation is an important component. You know, I look at mobility as one half of the equation, but then the other half of the equation is you need some specific strengthening or some specific exercises to help address whatever isn't doing its job. Okay, right? so let's let's back up there. So what would you say mobility is? 
with people, you know, so you, you say we want you to be more mobile, but how, how would you define that? Is, is that getting, so getting us, up, moving okay, like moving around, squatting down without any pain? Oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so for me, when I say mobility, I'm talking about release techniques, joint mobilization techniques, or stretching techniques. That's okay. mobility. Okay. Right? Like, so those are the mobility interventions, okay. most common mobility interventions. Okay. Right? Um, you're more talking about range of motion. All right. Right? And obviously, you want to have functional range of motion. You want to be able to do whatever it is that you normally do in your day. And if you can't, you know, squat down to the level of your couch, that becomes a problem. I can see that. Yeah. You end up falling into your couch, which is what most people do anyway. But, um, <laughs> yeah, then maybe you want, couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So somebody who can't get down that far, maybe they want to do more of these mobility type exercises. So okay. release joint mobilization and lengthening being stretching. Okay. Right. But we still need the strengthening component too. And I think that's, people need to get on top of that. And of course, pain overall like leads into the whole fitness thing. And we know that if you're more fit, you generally don't have the same type of problems somebody who doesn't work out does. You know, I always – my athletes who come in and my recreational athletes, you know, exercisers, fitness people who come mm-hmm. in, they get really bent out of shape because they have low back pain or they have shoulder pain and they can't hit their PR. And you're like, dude, you're fine, right? Like you'll be fine. Give this six weeks. Do your do the exercise program I just gave you. You have an asymmetrical weight shift to the right. Let's mm-hmm. do this home exercise program. I guarantee you'll be squatting back to normal. Those are little issues. They're re- they really are in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Everybody has orthopedic pain. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a shoulder thing or a neck thing or a low back thing or a plantar fasciitis thing or a knee. We all have it. So my, my grandma, grandpa, mother, everybody that's complaining about some sort of pain, they're not alone. Right. Okay. Right. But here's the, the here's the kicker. If my grandma is listening to this podcast, that'd actually be pretty cool in the nursing that would be home. Pretty cool. Yeah. Hi, grandma. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we should curse more. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> she has dementia. She wouldn't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, I love you, grandma. I'm sorry. I, I do. Um, so, yeah, if you have the, – the problem comes in is people who don't exercise and they don't have any base level of conditioning. Mm-hmm. Like somebody who like let's say is like a desk jockey and hasn't worked out in 10 years and they come in with low back pain, what do I ask them to stop doing to help reduce some of the stress on their system? Sitting. Which they're already doing, which is causing their pain. You get mm-hmm. where I'm going with yeah, this? Like yeah, they've, yeah, yeah. they've become so deconditioned that even incredibly low level activity is painful for them. And it's like where do you go from there? Right. At least, so if they're sitting, then their hip flexors are off and their glutes are probably aren't engaged. So they're going to have some problems there, right? Potentially. I mean, honestly, like this gets into a really technical conversation. But yeah. as I've studied the the idea of impairment or postural dysfunction or compensation pattern, whatever you want to look at it, chances are some of these are probably more like vestigial motor patterns that we fall back on. I don't know that sitting is particularly damaging other than it's not activity. Sure. Uh, I think staying in one posture is definitely not a great thing. Okay. But, you know, I mean, we're meant to lie down. We're meant to sit. Like, the, the, these things aren't the the end of the world. My my bigger point is, is, like, if you sit and don't do any high-level activity or even moderate-level activity, you start really falling apart. I think one of the benefits of fitness from a rehab standpoint is you tend to find pain faster because you're performing at a higher level. So you'll notice something that's wrong really early on 
when you're performing like a really high level activity, for example, you were talking about hockey. Mm-hmm. I guarantee if there was something wrong with your knee, you'd feel it during a competitive hockey match really early mm-hmm. where it's easy to address. Whereas somebody who only goes back and forth to work and sits all day, that knee pain has to get really bad and really dysfunctional before right. it, start, it starts like keeping them from doing what they do. So basically, if, if people become more active – in turn, they might might be the future here. We're sad. Uh, they might realize that they have some sort of dysfunction or some sort of ailment that they need to address right away because eventually it's going to compound and get much worse and worse until maybe one day they just blow out their knee going down the stairs. Right. It's prehab, right? Mm-hmm. Like this, we we all know about this stuff. Like we we should have a a medical system that does place some priority on keeping people from getting sick as opposed to fixing people. Who are sick? Wait, we need to keep people from getting sick. Yeah, why? Yeah. But I mean, uh, how, how are we going to make money if we can't prescribe? Yeah, I mean, look, I don't, I don't have anything against big pharma. I think big pharma gets beat up way too much. Uh-huh. I mean, everybody hates big pharma until they remember that you know people don't get polio anymore, and we generally don't die of strep throat. So that that's that's a good. <laughs> I don't want polio. So or strep throat. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, prescription drugs are very expensive in the United States, but mm-hmm. then you find out that we do like eighty five percent of all pharmacological research. So it's a give and take on okay. that one. And maybe I'm a little bit more just conservative on on the side of like not wanting to throw stones that way but okay um look our medicine does a great job of fixing people like that's yeah. that's what we've gotten really good at but you know us on the fitness side have been saying for a long time like we could probably prevent some of this stuff at least you know it's not binary I think that's the other thing people have to get through their head is like none of this stuff life life isn't binary right. it's all probabilities so for example if my predictive models of posture dysfunction capture 85% of the population. There will always be somebody on Instagram who can be like, I tried to program progression. That shit didn't work. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm not a hundred percent surprised. What I'm trying to do is grab as many people as I can, get the largest effect I can, the most reliable I can, but that's all percentages. Yeah. So, I mean, there's going to be outliers. There's going to be non-responders in in anything that you do, but man, if you get 85%, that's pretty good. 85% in my right glute is going to be 80% better. Yeah. You're, yeah, I think your I think your right glute could be a hundred percent better if you just did the exercise. Uh, but yeah, you, you will that that means that I need to actually do the exercise. <laughs> yeah, I, I will though. I'll, I'll I'll pigeon toe that thing in and I'll, I'll get my glute firing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, what what is a common myth about your profession uh, that you want to debunk? Common myth about my profession. And you've kind of got multiple professions, so yeah. you, you you can you can pick and choose. Yeah, I would say, you know, like when we look at the fitness side, like there is a science there. Mm-hmm. I think that's what people forget on the fitness side. Okay. Right. So exercise for exercise without, you know, I tell people, you know, you can work out or you can train. It's a yeah. big difference. Workouts getting sweaty. Yeah, Training yeah. is having a purpose in the program. Yeah. It's easy enough to get somebody sweaty. It's harder to get them to their goals optimally. Right. Right. Like what's the best possible way to get somebody to where they're going? That's a whole different thing. And there is a lot of research there. There's a ton of research to be looked at. Um, so I think the fact that there is exercise science as a profession is probably the biggest myth in the fitness industry because everybody thinks anybody with a six-pack can train. And mm-hmm. to give you an analogy, thinking that anybody with a six-pack can train is like thinking anybody who can run a marathon could perform heart surgery. 
Like that's how ridiculous that is. Like, oh, so they have a healthy heart, so they must be able to fix mine. Okay. Well, right. I allegedly mean, they have a healthy heart. You've, you've seen people that run marathons drop dead. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But, Luckily, those are okay. outliers, yeah, and that those has to do are. with some very specific medical issues. They're that part don't of they're part of the often. fifteen or ten percent that you're not trying to catch. Yeah, well, let's hope one tenth of one percent yeah, at tops. That that would be great. All right, you know, I'm I'm not going to ask. Uh, Random Joe doing a marathon to perform heart surgery. I mean, no, and I think people need to look at their fitness a little bit like that and okay. go to people who have some background. Yeah. Um, I would say in rehab, you know, people have gotten pretty harsh on some physical therapists I've seen. And, like, I think people forget what physical therapists take on as a profession. I think most people know outpatient orthopedic physical therapy as all of physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Forgetting that we are medical profession professionals, we are doctors, we do have issues and liability to concern ourselves with that have to do with more than just can you ask to grass squat. Right. You ask most physical therapists, they don't care and nor should they. Right. There are other things for us to worry about. Um, you know, low back pain, for example. There are a bunch of red flag issues that nobody ever thinks about like quadriaquina syndrome and kidney infection and – Wow. You know, all these other little things that we're supposed to check for, because God forbid you have one of those things, you're supposed to go to the emergency room. <laughs> now, those things are rare. Sure. But it's it's kind of, I just want to put out there, it's like, yeah, orthopedic physical therapists aren't personal trainers. Right. Right. Their, their scope usually involves pain, and their number one priority is to keep people safe and try to get them out of pain. Um, I would say those are the two biggest ones. I mean, okay. I could go into a million myths about educators and what it takes to build an education company and the difficulties involved with accreditation and okay. how hard it is to write an evidence-based course from scratch or the fact that we have 150 of them and what that's taken. Um, 150? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no wonder why you don't have any time on your hands. No, we have something like 2,500 pages of text. We're probably backed by, you know, 8,000 citations. Like, it's no it's no joke. Not to mention, like, building a, a web platform to make accessing that education easy and intuitive. It's And then accreditation, which takes a full-time person just going through all of those applications yeah. and keeping us... It's a lot. Okay. So it's a lot. It, it, I care a lot about my colleagues yeah. and I think people forget that. It's not about if if I was in this for a buck, I picked the wrong profession. Like you have to care a lot to do the type of education that we're doing. Okay. Now, speaking of that, where do you see the future of your profession heading? Um interesting. Fitness keeps going back and forth, so mm-hmm. we talked about fitness a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought fitness was heading in a good direction, and then we kind of got knocked off path, I feel like, with mm-hmm. Instagram. I okay. think Instagram is really – it's democratized fitness in a way, which is kind of cool, but it's democratized it to the lowest common denominator, which yeah. is probably not great. Right. You know, like I don't think everybody knows to look for credentialed professionals, which we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Physical therapies in a really interesting place too. Like I just had dinner with Kelly Starrett, who's obviously a big name in the physical therapy profession, and – we were talking about how our profession is getting pulled into the medical world, but that's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. There's there's a black hole there that physicians have fallen down of ever-increasing costs and having a really hard time getting people the access that they need. 
Um, so I think we need to to keep working okay. on trying to make ourselves more accessible, try to make physical therapists' lives a little better in that process somehow too. Um, and then, of course, education. I mean, obviously, I think we're the future. I'm biased. Um, oh, I think, oh, interesting. You know, yeah. As you should. Yeah. You know, the Brookbush Institute, like I built it because I saw problems with the education that was out there. Okay. I thought – the quality of education was not – the quality of content was not where it should be, especially on the evidence-based side. The yeah. way it was delivered was not optimal because our industry tends not to even look at things like student-centered learning, which is an evidence-based approach to building like lesson plans and delivery. And then, of course, when you start looking at like all the obstacles most education programs put in the way, like DPT school was the worst three years of my life. There's, there's nothing convenient about DPT school. And really? The, the number one advice anybody ever gives a DPT student is just jump through the hoops. And when you wow. think about that, you just go, dude, what if somebody just stopped and went, how many of these hoops could we get out of the way? Like, what if we took a customer service approach to education? Which is exactly what we're doing with the Brookbush Institute where, yeah, it's $19.99 a month. You get access to everything. And you can take all your courses by desktop or app. Why? Because we know that half the time when you have free time, it's when your session's canceled, mm -hmm. right? You're at work. So you can now take our courses via your phone. Yeah. Right? And like, well, what courses should you take? Well, you can take whatever course you want. And they're one to four hours long, so you can fit them in anywhere. Yeah. Oh, and we're going to keep track for you so that you don't have to worry about that. And we're going to give you options as far as which uh, which courses you want to take and and – we're going to make sure that everything counts towards as much as it can. So when you look at content, it can also count as CECs. It also counts towards certification. It's all one thing, right? Like we just keep going, how do we remove another obstacle? We've even gotten so far as we're going, okay, one of our goals this year is to reduce the number of button clicks between login and your intended target. Makes sense. Right? Like I think education's just – stupidly hard for stupid reasons it should be hard because the content is complex right you should be using your brain power trying to figure out because not everything is simple like mm -hmm. let's be real like the human body is is the most complicated machine anybody knows of but if you're having to waste your brain power for example in dpt school figuring out how you're going to work when your teacher just moved your class from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. in the middle of your work shift and you have a final the following week, that's the type of garbage that needs to be eradicated. Okay. Like that has to go. That makes a ton of sense. Uh, so what would – what's the biggest mistake you've made uh, and how have you learned from it? Oh, man. I've made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's pick one how, of the big ones. How, how much time do we have left? <laughs> we got 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> um, I think I've made a lot of interesting mistakes just from not taking a step back and strategizing first. I think a lot of people need to take a deep breath rather than going full bore. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of times perfectionism held me back in the beginning. Uh, there's a tech, um, kind of a tech startup thing of dream big, start small, fail fast, mm. right? So like, you know, now I live by that where I'll just be like, okay, we want to do this. And like my managers will 
ask me like, so how are we going to do that? And I'm like, I don't know. Start trying shit. Right. Like, you know, like, that's why I'm the boss. I just come up with the idea. Well, it's not quite like that. It's more like, okay, so how are we going to get this accreditation through? I don't know. Download the application yeah. and keep going until you find your first sticking point. And then when you find your first sticking point, bring it to me and then we're going to solve that sticking point. Okay. And if we can't get that through, we'll figure out something else. We'll, we'll do a different accreditation. You know, there's always, there's always another solution. Like me and you were talking about like um, the captions, like adding closed captions to videos. Right. Like we didn't know how we were going to do that at first. And then we just kept, okay, well, how is this person doing? How is this person doing? How is this person? Doing? And then we realized if we downloaded our stuff onto YouTube, YouTube already had a caption generator. So we used the YouTube caption generator and edited those and then downloaded them into our, mm-hmm. our website. Bing, bang, boom. Right. But those are like, you can do that with anything. Yeah. All right. So if you want to get educated about, Human movement science, sure, you could start with the Brooke Bush Institute and try those courses. And if you don't like us, what did you lose? Right. $19.99? And we have a 30-day money-back guarantee. So you can ask for your money back. But the point the point being is that you tried something. Mm-hmm. And if that didn't work, okay, try the next thing. Yeah. Like we're not asking people who don't like our content to be members. <laughs> right? You need That's to fair. find content you enjoy. You hate us, so give us your money until. Yeah, yeah, no, please, yes, because okay. you have to. Right? No, that's exactly the type of education that I hated yeah. in, in being in school. But I would say just the idea of like, okay, take a step back, strategize, dream big, but start small, and then just start failing. Yeah. Eventually, if you fail enough, you'll figure – you'll learn. You'll figure out how to get to the next spot. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's good advice for anybody, whether it be a physical therapist, trainer, or anything in life. I mean, sometimes you have to – one of the best books I ever read was called Ready, Fire, Aim. Uh, sometimes you have to shoot in the name because, you know, otherwise you're just going to be dragging your feet and somebody else may do it. Yeah. So uh, I, I think it's along the, the same lines. Uh, so what resources – uh, besides Brooke Push Institute, <laughs> <laughs> what what resources uh, have you felt have helped you along the way in your career? Oh, I mean, okay, so I I, I can I can take some big swipes at this. Um, you know, if you're in health or medical professions, mm-hmm. right, you need to be reading research. Okay, okay, that's important. I, I can't. You, you have to stop educating yourself by Instagram and blog. Okay. Like I, I, people talk about research on Instagram, and half the time they're dead wrong. Right, um, and that's that's an important differentiation. And you don't have to do much if you just read two or three research studies a week. You know, that's 150 research studies a year. Like you'd get through a lot, and you'd be a lot smarter for it. Um, I have, of course, been through a ton of certifications. Mm-hmm. Like I definitely look to the masters. Um, you know, uh, obviously Kendall and Yonda and Saruman are some of my big individuals who, who influenced me before being introduced to Mike Clark's work with the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are some big chunks for me. And I'm continually taking in texts like to try to to figure out, you know, where the directions of stuff are. Because it's hard with just research. Right. You kind of need to start with a textbook to give you direction and then start pulling research from there. Yeah. Um, and then honestly, what has changed my life in the last three years is audible. Really? Like I listen to six books a month. Easy. On regular speed or 1.5? Or maybe 1.25? I'm at I'm at, well, at 1.6 now. I think if you go much faster than 1.6, it starts sounding like Alvin and the Chipmunks <laughs> yeah. or 
you get into these books where you get somebody who's really excited <laughs> about reading it, and it's like hyper speed. Yeah. I, I start raising my hand. I think I'm in an auction. I just bought a car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, Audible's great. Yeah, so all uh, they obviously don't have textbooks on health and medical professions. Surprise, surprise, they're not popular enough to be read. I guess, Strange. but um, I most of what I know as a CEO, I've learned by listening to books on Audible. Hmm. Whether it's lean management, agile, um, you know, I was talking about all the tech stuff. I've yeah. read as much stuff about CEOs as I possibly can. I just finished Elon Musk's biography for the second time, like. You know, I just take in massive amounts of information mm-hmm. trying to – the CEO role is a very weird yeah. position. And, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm not afraid to say that it's – I didn't know what the hell I was doing three years ago. Mm-hmm. not really sure I know what I'm doing now. But we're you growing. Fake it well. You fake it while you're doing it. Yeah. That. We're, we're growing. So and – I, and I have kind of Audible to thank for giving me that background yeah. to build on that. Yeah. I mean I think that's one thing people do whether whatever profici- profession you're in is they get stuck reading everything about their profession. And then once you go outside of there, that sort of opens things up and you can Probably, look at yeah. things in a new way. So um, I started doing that myself and not just focusing on fitness or nutrition or whatever. I just started reading, well, reading because I don't like grabbing a book, going on Audible um, and, and listening to things. And, and that definitely has given me a new outlook uh, on my life, on my profession, on a bunch of things. Yeah, even – I mean even that's that's an interesting thing we talked about too. Like I was just talking about don't listen to Instagram about research, read research. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how many fitness business gurus are absolutely off the mark. Mm-hmm. Not and you don't realize that like crossing the chasm you can get on Audible for nine ninety nine and this is like a this is like a marketing classic that everybody should know or um, I'm trying to think of some other good ones like uh, I'll I, I I'll think of some some here in a second but uh I mean there's so many classic books that you can get of like not fitness business like garbage from some guy who's running a coaching platform but like somebody who built a billion dollar company like right. that information is yeah. there for you you yeah. just have to look outside the fitness industry yeah. that, that that's somebody that you know i want to uh read for sure because i know i've got some things going on and actually the people that we're hiring are not in the fitness industry they know how to run a business now if i need them to get on an education platform or something that's going to be entirely different but um you know ha- having somebody that has built something you know whether it's a, a franchise and sold it or got into real estate you know uh that has been extremely helpful as far as my career yeah all right so we got a couple more questions here if you could sure. step into my shoes what would you ask yourself that I didn't? Huh. Um, How about that for a question? It, that is that is a rough question. <laughs> you already asked me about my chihuahua, so you put me on the spot about about the fact that I own a chihuahua. Uh-huh. I do love that guy. Yeah. Um, I definitely am a different level of crazy. I think I think mm-hmm. you figured that out. Yep. I'm a little I'm a little OCD. I do uh-huh. put in crazy long hours and write a tremendous amount. Um, and where that comes from, it's probably just good old obsession. Okay. Um, I was once told that obsession makes a wonderful slave and a terrible master. So I just try to obsess over things that are going to okay. do right by me. All right. Um, what else could you ask? So you're guilty obsession. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yay. Cool. Nah, man, I, I think we, I think we covered a lot. Um, appreciate you coming on. Where can people find you? 
they can find me Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. I mean, I'm, I'm all over the place. So. Everything at Brookbush Institute, brookbushinstitute.com. Brookbushinstitute.com, absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah, you guys can Google. I, I've been around long enough that like I'm, I'm pretty – I'm pretty easy to find. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, that's not a that's not a brag. I just I've been at this for a little while. Yeah, since 1998. Yeah, I mean the what started the Brookbush Institute was social media. Like I was on Facebook posting a blog post a day. Like that was like eight or nine years ago. So. Yeah, nice. All right, we got one more question. Yep. Brookbush Institute evidence based research human movement fatter future. God, I hope we're the future. <laughs> like, otherwise, why did I put in all this work? Um, I mean, yeah, it would be pretty funny if I was like, fat, dude, I'm selling out and I'm going to the beach. Um, we were talking about that. Like, physical therapy doesn't matter much if you're laying on a sunny beach in Cancun. If you've got millions and you're on the beach, yeah, then it can be a fad. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little ways from, from any sort of big buyout like that, right? But, uh, you know, I think... I hope with the stuff I was talking to you about before, right, and and the fact that I care and I'm really trying to provide this service of of building this evidence-based foundation and remove as many obstacles as possible. I mean, I've been talking about it for a long time, but one of my goals is to put make courses, CECs, certification, and master's degree credits the same thing. Hmm. I have this dream of being able to put a master's degree on an app for $29.99 a month that all of the stuff that you've done with the Brookbush Institute counts towards. Um, I think that's there. Yeah. I think, I think we're almost there. The technology is almost there. The ability to get accredited is almost there. We might act that that's probably going to be the biggest hang up because the accreditation thing for universities is like dinosaur. (laughs) Um, but like I hope, I hope we're the future. I hope yeah. like education becomes affordable and convenient, and all you have to worry about is like learning, like and enjoying it. Making education affordable and focus on learning. I'm Joey Thurman. Don't be a fatty. F a d d y. Be nice. a part of the future. Stay tuned for our next episode of Fat or Future. To your health. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure to follow on social at Fat or Future Podcast. You can follow me at Joey Thurman Fit. Don't be a fatty. Merchandise is available. Hoodies, hats, t-shirts, and beanies at fatorfuture.com. And make sure to check back next week. We've got a good episode for you.